Hello, everybody, and welcome. It is Thursday night, and you know what that means. It's time for your favorite podcaster's favorite podcast about AEW Dynamite. Yes, folks, it is time for the Wednesday Night Skirmish, brought to you by the PWC. I'm your host for tonight, Christopher Ams. That's A-M-B-S, like lambs with Noel or bullshit first thing in the morning. Don't worry, if you ever forget how to spell my name, I'll just keep reminding you. Joining me tonight is my unquestionably questionable co-host in the room. He's the gardener of doom. He's a beast. He's a monster. In the South, he's a hoss. He's joining us from Beemore because Jimmy T is lost. Jeff Lippman, welcome. How are you, Jeff? I am fine. And and just like in the, the island loss, there's a lot of black smoke all over the place with monster faces and people are getting scared and overreacting. Like I they've never been say- in a nuclear... Yeah, like they've never never been in a nuclear winter before. <laughs> I was going to ask, how are you breathing right now? <laughs> As a homebody, <laughs> I'm breathing just fine because I don't go outside. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Cool, cool. Yeah. I, I've definitely seen some pictures and uh, it doesn't look great. But um, I told somebody yesterday, they were asking me if it was if it was bad up where I'm at. And nope, I'm perfect. There's no problems where I'm from, but... <laughs> It's all it's all imported, and because it's NAFTA, we we didn't even get to collect any duty taxes on your wildfires that are raging there. Um, but you know, it does look a little apocalyptic. It looks a little bit like vampire movie, stardish kind of thing. But you know, it's like the none strain. of us. Yeah, exactly like the strain. Yeah, I, I, I kept thinking. Every eclipse is an occultation, but not every occultation is an eclipse. Um, but, uh, but such a good enough? book series. I don't know if the I don't know if the TV series is as good, but the book series is great. Uh, the TV series is not as good. Uh, no. The casting was weird. It started out okay, but it 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 lost its path pretty early. They they never did the the second uh, the second book or the third book. Yeah, the the first book is terrific. The second book is very good. The third book. You know, it it was a it third dips. It dips. Yeah. <laughs> it dips. Yeah, indeed it does. Uh something about uh you know no- North Algeria, Morocco and worms. So so something <laughs> something like that. Uh but uh so anyone out there, if any of you in the smoke or in the fog or in your haze, and that the last one is the most likely, have seen Jimmy T. Please give him a shout for us and let him know that we're looking for him. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's what really happened is Jimmy T blew up and that's what all the smoke is. It's just it's just all the all the audio equipment that used to be Jimmy T's blew up. And now it's just all over the 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 northeast of the United uh, States. He meant all his t- tobacco intake and his other non-tobacco intake. <laughs> and just all the smoke blew up. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do hear bubbles sometimes when I record with Jimmy. I wonder what those bubbles are. Um, yeah, I was uh, I was saying to Big Ray the other day. He he was he was talking about the smoke and everything, and I was just telling him, you know, I mean, this is this is what happens. You guys made fun of us for so long with the flappy heads. Now we're gassing you, and we're not sorry, eh? Yeah, well, I guess you shouldn't be. I mean, those flappy hats are funny. And 
I know Ray is terrified about the masks again. I, I think maybe this would this might be a good reason to wear a mask. I don't know, but listen, as an antisocial person, I always enjoyed wearing the masks because I could wear one with like a Joker face on it or Danhausen or the Fiend, and I didn't have to look at anyone. I didn't have to say hello. Nobody was expecting you to smile. And if I had like a little evil smile on my mask, some people would be scared or some people would think it's funny. They could read into it what it will, and you know. So I just I it it really allowed me to be antisocial in public, which is wonderful. Um, but I guess that's not the kind of freedom that other people appreciate. What can I say? Um, no, I'm, anyway. I'm, I'm definitely happy with how things were for me up here. I mean, I'm, I'm in the middle of nowhere anyway. I live in a town of 300 people. <laughs> so the entire time, I think I maybe wore a mask like three times in the entire like two-year period where masking was was technically legal. But I mean, I used to walk into the store here. Nobody ever said anything to me. I just walked into the store and bought what I needed and said hello and walked out. And I mean, that... It wasn't like high noon, like the sheriff met you in the... In the- <laughs> middle of main street no nothing like that we don't we don't have a sheriff we have we have opp officers and the one who lives the one who lives here actually just retired so i mean i'm uh-huh. pretty sure that he wasn't trying to arrest anybody for mask violations anyway oh. did you say to them hey i'm down with opp hey you know me that's right the ontario provincial police i remember when i was a kid thinking why are these people so cool with the police i thought rap music i, th- I thought rap didn't like cops i'm so confused no, they love tim hortons tim hortons yes tim hortons is fantastic actually lance storm shout out to lance storm he said that this morning he uh he woke up um his flight was canceled so he figured he was going to get a tim hortons uh while he waited but the tim hortons by his house was closed i don't understand how that happened i also don't understand why there isn't just another tim hortons four corners down because he's from calgary Right. I mean, uh, when my uh, few experiences in Canada is that if you if you don't like the Tim Horners that on the street you're on, just look across the street because there'll be another one in in the eastbound lane or whatever. That's pretty but, much. Uh, poor Lance. I, yeah, you know, maybe he maybe he's got a neck injury and he can't turn his head. I, I don't know. Yeah, maybe, maybe, yeah, something like that. Um, speaking of Canada, since we're talking about Canada, I hear Collisions having some trouble selling tickets up here. I'm hearing the same, and you know the the big excuse is, is they're using your excuse. They're saying that that Hamilton is part of the GTA, the Greater Toronto Area. But as we know, having an insider and me have, having driven through there, being surprised myself, that that Hamilton is you know it's about an hour away from uh, t- Toronto. Uh, you know, maybe you know thirty minutes from driving fast, forty five minutes. But it does have seven hundred thousand people, which is. Big, so the distance between uh, uh, Toronto and Hamilton is roughly the same distance of Baltimore and Washington, D.C., and mm-hmm. they are considered independent markets. And Toronto has more people than Washington, D.C. does. I'm not sure about the metro area, but Hamilton certainly has more people than Baltimore. Again, I don't know about the metro area, but Hamilton is a, is a city with like 170,000 more people than the city of Baltimore has. So the fact that they've still only sold about a thousand tickets in Hamilton or under as of last time I've checked is pretty sad. And my understanding is that the Toronto show is not selling so well. Now forbidden door sold out. They haven't released all 19,000 tickets, but for the 13,000 change they did release, they sold out, you know, basically immediately. Um, But yeah, some of the other shows, I mean, you probably have a better finger on this, but some of the other shows seem like they're 
not selling at all. And I guess, you know, people don't know what to expect or maybe they're not that impressed. I don't know. I think it's an unproven commodity. I mean, uh, you know, we're wrestling fans. We're all waiting to see what collision's going to be. And, um, you know, part of it is that. Part of it is just, like, it's a brand new show. We don't know if it's going to be any good. Is this going to be Thunder? Right? Is this going to be, you know, is this going to be the B show, the unquestioned B show, you know, starring CM Punk? Or is this going to be an actual alternative? And I think that... I think that they can sell tickets to this if they can show that this that that collision matters. Of course, as excited as they were to to announce, you know, on this week, and we'll get there. But as as excited as they were to announce the the main event of the first collision, I mean, it's a fucking six man match. It's it's what they used to. I mean, I was expecting Teddy Long to come out here and holla holla play a six man. Um, right. No, uh, but anyway, we're doing a six man to start and okay, I guess that could lead to something, but you're going to have to show me that it's leading to something. I I think that you would have had a way better reaction if you would have said it's a one-on-one match between CM Punk and Switchblade Jay White. I I think that the the IWC would have reacted to that with, oh, okay, well, I haven't seen that match before. And that's something that, you know, we're familiar with these guys. I think the other thing that people aren't, I think the other thing that people aren't paying attention to is that demographically, there is a huge difference between Toronto and Hamilton. I know you said that the actual distance between the two cities is about an hour, right? That's, I mean, it's like an hour and a half. If you take the bus, it's about an hour if you're driving. Um, But demographically, there's a big difference between Toronto and Hamilton. Toronto is a huge metropolitan city. They consider themselves to be very, um, what would you say? Very, uh, very woke, very, you know, very, very light, very, the kind of fans you expect at AEW shows at this point, Hamilton, you know, they call it the hammer in, in Southern Mm -hmm. Ontario. And it is a very different city. It is, uh, the best, the best, you know, example that I can come up with is Pittsburgh. It's literally the steel city of Canada. So, I mean, there's an actual, you know, it, it fits with the Pittsburgh analogy, but it's a tough town and it's a town where people are willing to spend their money. If they know they're going to get a win, their AHL team, for instance, the Hamilton Bulldogs, um, when they're good, they sell out when they're bad, they sell no tickets. Um, and I think that that's one of those things where, you know, they're going to have to prove to people first that collision is worth buying a ticket to, and then they'll sell tickets because right now it's an unproven commodity. And I think Hamilton's always going to be one of those slower markets, um, until you can actually prove that it's a commodity that people are, you know, are willing to pay for. Also, I have seen some of the ticket prices that are online right now, and I don't blame people in Hamilton for not wanting to pay $300 for tickets. I, I, I wouldn't, Ouch. I wouldn't, I would, I mean, I went to the show in Winnipeg and I bought five tickets. I paid about 60 bucks for each of them. They were pretty good seats. They were good enough seats that I thought 60 bucks. It's a little steep. I'm going to do it anyway. Cause it was like a night for me and my girlfriend and all the kids and everything, you know, paid for five tickets. And, uh, you know, so, I mean, it's almost $200, and then with everything else, the whole night probably costs close to 300 bucks, right? When, when, you, when you're done feeding everybody and all that stuff. Um, but I mean, if you've got a family of five and you're trying to buy tickets to Hamilton, it's going to be $700, $800. Who has that for a TV taping? That's ridiculous. 
yeah, that, that that's steep. And, uh, you know, I, I've been to Full Gear and I've been to a Dynamite and, and I had floor seats uh, at Full Gear and, and I'm one of those dummies who bought it on the resale market. So I actually paid more than um, face value. Not a lot, but more than face value. And even then, it was like I think with service charge and everything, it was it was under a hundred bucks a ticket. Yeah, and we were in the the fifth or sixth row um, on the floor. So I don't know, uh, bumping it up to you know a hundred or three hundred. That sounds crazy, but uh, yeah, right yeah, now floor right now seats on the floor, even not like not I'm not even talking front row tickets, just seats on the floor in Hamilton are like three hundred dollars. It, it's yeah. nobody. Rough. First of all, like even even wrestling fans aren't stupid enough to pay that, and wrestling fans in Hamilton are definitely not stupid enough to pay that. You will not sell those tickets at that price. Right. It's interesting because I mean, what you said earlier about the card and not knowing what the product is is one hundred percent. I mean, you know, you, you don't know. I mean, you're probably going to get a four hour show, but you don't know if those other two hours are going to be like rampage matches or worse Ring of Honor tapings, or if they're <laughs> going to be like the equivalent of dark and dark elevation matches, where it's going to be basically seeing training matches. Because sometimes you see training matches on on TV. <laughs> Chris Statlander, Anna Jay. <laughs> <laughs> um, excuse me. Um, or if you're going to get what Tony Khan loves, and apparently Brian Danielson loves also in Championship Friday, including nothing of any AEW significance whatsoever. Um, mm. So you don't know if your big night out is going to be like, you know, feels like a Tuesday night card and you should be paying Tuesday night prices. Um, and it, it's interesting because you would think that that with all the goodwill equity that AEW has instilled in its diehard fan base, and, and a lot of other people as well that you would think that in those in these first few weeks that they're going to want to do something that they feel is historic every single week, and that not getting the Punk solo match the first night makes sense, but they can't get away with that forever. I mean, he probably has to get ring rust off. They probably have, want to see how it works. They probably want to set up, you know, I, you know, the Jay White and you know the Bullet Club Gold thing seems a little bit out of left field, but they sort of start teasing something with them in FTR as a transition to Ricky Starks a couple weeks ago. And, and then there was, you know, something that we'll talk about later that may or may not involve bullet cup gold, but certainly involves tag teams and, and contenders. So you could see that. And maybe then they spin off to the Joe punk solo uh, program. But you would think that, that if people are following, they would say, huh, if I go to these next couple of shows, I might not see that match on TV, but I might, but I I'll, I might get a promo showdown between Samoa Joe and CM Punk, and I want to I want to see that they're not even willing to invest in that likelihood that that I would say it's a probability, not just a possibility. Um, I don't know, and I've heard a lot of podcasters say this, and and since you know I see things my own way, and I'm not always sure the people are right. I, I don't, but I don't want to uh, diminish this because I think that there's something to it, and if enough other people pointed out. You know, maybe that is a 70% view where I'm a 30%er. But basically, for the last nine months, most of the wrestling media has been Team Elite, Team AEW, and has basically been smearing CM Punk. And, and you know, there has been a division in the fan base, and, and maybe that fan base doesn't want to go out and support CM Punk and a show that's built around him. And on top of that, we we saw Miro. We know Thunder Rosa. But if you're a hardcore, you know Thunder Rosa's not healthy enough to wrestle again. We've heard about Andrade, and we've heard that he's refused to do things, so no one's sure if there's going to be Andrade. And is he such a big draw anyway? Besides that, we don't really know anyone else is on 
going to be on the card now. I guess we can infer, you know, FTR will probably be there. We'll probably get the Gun Club, the Bullet Club Gold, uh, Samoa Joe. We've heard about Hobbs and people on the post. Scorpio Sky might be coming back. You know, maybe you'll see Lance Archer. Who knows? But is is that enough to be excited? I mean, maybe we'll see all the wrestlers that, you know, I do on my little Twitter thing where I say, identify a wrestler you forgot works for AEW. <laughs> Sean Spears, again. Um, <laughs> Serena Deep, again. I, you know, I don't know. But um, it's weird. It's, it's Griff Garrison. Griff Garrison. Yeah, to, that's good. There's a good one. You know, I, you know, and like to your point, like I don't think anybody was really expecting CM Punk to be in a gigantic match, but CM Punk versus even Juice Robinson, I think would get people out, get people more excited. It's a solo match. You know, Juice has been basically a palooka in the ring eater in AW, but at least he can work. At least he's a name. At least it's, you know, it's tied to this whole Bullet Club thing. It can give you hope that there's going to be something at Forbidden Door, that you might see something important that's building for Forbidden Door. You know, CM Punk versus Bullet Club. You know, is is the other Bullet Club aligned with this Bullet Club? Are they not? You know, you know, it, questions to be answered. Maybe some of them will be answered while I'm sitting there live, but I guess not. And I guess good on the folks of Canada as being what they normally are, which is level-headed. Yep. I mean, this is, you know, it actually reminds me, um, it actually reminds me like really, really closely of something that happened a few years ago here in Canada. Um, the world junior championships, that's the junior, uh, hockey championships. Uh, they're super popular here in Canada. Like everybody watches them. It's a tournament that basically happens over the new year. And, um, I mean, this country goes nuts for, for, for that tournament. We, we all love it. Everybody's watching. Um, everybody loves it. We're cheering on team Canada, et cetera. Um, and they, they held the tournament in Saskatoon and Regina. Um, they're, they're two cities that are about two hours apart from each other in, in, Sask- yeah. in Saskatchewan. But a lot of Regina talk on the PWC. <laughs> and, um, and the expectation was they're definitely going to sell out. They're going to sell out every single game. Well, you know what? Uh, the, the, uh, the international hockey federation or whatever, they, they basically priced the tickets at about 150 bucks to start. And that's more than NHL tickets. So do you know what happened? They had half-filled arenas for basically the entire tournament because Canadian people are willing to to spend money, but we're not willing to be fucked over. That's just not something that this country is 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 like is gonna do. We're not gonna let we're not gonna let people take advantage of us, um, especially in the wallet. And I mean, that's just that's that's a you know being thrifty is something that I think Canadians can can sort of hang their hats on for the most part. And uh, yeah, it looks like that's basically something that's happening with a lot of these AEW tickets too. Tony Khan is is making an announcement, and oh, we're going to Canada, we're, yay Canada! But like, you're giving us a crap product, and you're charging us three hundred dollars. That's well. Speaking of half filled arenas, that brings us to Colorado, uh, <laughs> and and a lot of the future dynamites. I mean, you know what they're sell, what they're doing in Wembley, you know. We, we, I have my suspicions. Perhaps you do as well. Um, but whatever it is, you know, the 65,000 tickets sold, they released another 10,000 to get to 75,000. We'll see. Um, but they can sell 10% of that in most U.S. markets. And, you know, they, you, you got these arenas that are eight, 10, 12, 15,000 seat arenas. They're only releasing, you know, four to 6,000 seats. 
and not selling those out and sometimes half. And, and by the time you get to the Ring of Honor tapings or the uh, Rampage tapings, the, the place is not half empty. It, it's like three quarters empty. Some of the photos are terrible. People say, LOL, that's during the Ring of Honor taping. Well, first of all, I don't know when if the Ring of Honor taping is before or after Dynamite goes off the air, but either way, what are you LOLing? That, that's, that's an AEW product as well. Call it what you will. I mean, or if it's Rampage, what are you LOLing? You know, that, that was supposed to be, you know, uh, there's supposed to be big matches on, on Rampage that are building to this big Dynamite next week. But I guess we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. I mean, I mean, usually once you're there, you'll just stay there for the whole damn show. I mean, and that's another thing that I wonder if they're not over, if, if they're not, um, I wonder if they're not scaring some people away with the length of the tapings. I, I know that um, I know that when I went in Winnipeg, um, I did not know that they were that they were there was a there was a dark taping beforehand, and there was an and there was a um, rampage taping afterwards. So all told, it was four hours of professional wrestling. Now we showed up about fifteen minutes before seven because uh, you know I've got kids and my girlfriend has a kid, and it was you know. We weren't going to get, you know, to places as early as I wanted to anyway, but we're damn sure still going to be on time. Um, but so I only had to watch two hours and 15 minutes worth of wrestling, but they were, they, you know, they were, oh, you know, uncaged, you know, or uh, uncaged is our show. Sorry. Rampage. <laughs> uh, Rampage is up next, you know, and I mean, the arena was already half full and probably half the people started emptying out like, no. We don't want to be here for four hours. Um, and I think that that might be something that is starting to scare some people off and they don't want to, they don't feel like they're, they don't feel like that's something that's their money's worth, right? You're not going to pay extra to get four hours of wrestling when all you really want to do is do two hours and get the hell out of there. Right. And it's interesting because this week's rampage is, listen, every week there's people who will say the card is stacked. But this week, it is sort of stacked because they're trying to get people to tune into Dynamite, which will cause people to tune into Collision, but also to build Forbidden Door, too. Um, and they, there's a fatal four-way with, lo and behold, Mercedes Mart Martinez is, is in the match. She's one of the four. But there's a fatal four-way that the winner of that match gets a chance at Tony Storm's belt uh, next week on Dynamite. Um, and there's some other matches... Hobbs is in action. Of course, that probably just means it's not a squash match. So when they all know what to do with him, uh, they, they go back to rebuilding him again as a monster, even though he hasn't been unbuilt as a monster. So, uh, I mean, this is, it's like rinse, repeat. But anyway, Hobbs is going to be there. I mean, the, and there's other matches. I think there's a, a four-way, uh, an eight-man tag match with Orange Cassidy and his little group and Keith Lee. Oh, I think it's Sting Darby, Keith Lee and Orange Cassidy, which... You would think AEW fans would be interested. I'm not. And the the folks they're against, it's it's Swerve in the embassy. I mean, yeah, the, the, which guy from the embassy is going to take the, the pin this time? I mean, it doesn't matter. Um, but still, you'd think that that's, you know, a, a match that, you know, if you're already there, you'll just keep keep your ass sitting down. And, and since everybody else is leaving, it's not even like you're beating traffic. So I mean, you're going to beat traffic by staying. Anyway, we're, we're probably getting ahead of ourselves. I, well, I never thought I would say you'll beat traffic by staying. <laughs> well, welcome to AEW. Um, all right. Well, you mentioned Orange Cassidy. So speaking of Orange Cassidy, fucking Orange Cassidy starts the show again. 
again. Right. Again, Jeff. Listen, I actually, I, his, his fucking entrance song is actually pretty cool. I like his entrance song as a song, but every time I hear it now, I'm just like, this fucking guy is starting this show again. Mm -hmm. Like nine out of 10 shows. He, he opens the show and it's just so it, it, it's silly. And it gets even sillier because he comes out without his goons who who are in. We know they're in the building because they're in the very next match. And then Swerve comes. And, of course, cool heel goes whose house? And the whole crowd goes Swerve's house to heel. And he comes out with his goons, the embassy and Prince Nana, who, who stand there like Praetorian guards, looking <laughs> scary. And, and as soon Doing as Swerve walks nothing. Right. They do nothing. They don't accompany him to the, to the ring. Not even Prince Nana, not even the manager. They all just turn around and walk back through the entrance tunnel from whence they came originally. Mm-hmm. Yep. We've walked you home. Now we're going to, now we're going to dip out. Uh, this is basically, this, this is when you've got, a, this is when you're 14 years old and you have a girlfriend and you don't have a car yet. So you literally walk her to her door and then you have to walk your ass back home like a fucking homeless person. And he's like, I don't want to go to school. It's like, but look, the kid's already in there with his, with his backpack. Just go there. School. Uh, literally all right here's the thing uh with this match people have to work too hard to make the gimmick work for orange cassidy um it's one thing if you've got a gimmick that makes you look ridiculous but if you have a gimmick that makes the other person looks look ridiculous i think that that should just be said no i think the booker should just tell you no you don't get to do that you don't get to make the other guy look ridiculous right um I'm I'm waiting and, and and praying for the day when you know uh, he has to wrestle Ken Shamrock or Blake Troop or a pissed off Roosh. Just like put him in the ring with somebody who's gonna react to those little weak ass kicks or those weak slaps by just fucking giving it to him. No, you little bitch. You don't get to fucking kick me like that without getting a knee to the face. And that's the end of this shit, right? Like, I just, as far as I'm concerned, this gimmick is old. It's tired. Like, I've been watching this show since the beginning. So I've seen this for like three and a half years, going on almost four years now. It's somebody coming and saying the same fucking joke over and over and over again. Okay. I, for instance, like it's, it's like with anything, if it's just on repeat, it loses anything that it might've had to begin with. I didn't like it week one. So I damn sure am fucking tired of it at this point. And I mean, I do like some things, right. That, that are even like repetitive and things like that. But I mean, I mean, my God. Three and a half years of this same fucking joke over and over again. You know, um, Eddie Murphy's Raw is like one of those stand-up, you know, specials that I can watch. I can re-watch that special at least two times a year, and I fucking laugh my ass off every time, right? But if I had to watch that show every week for four and a half, for almost four years, I'd be like, fuck Eddie Murphy. He's not fucking funny. Right. And and listen, everything has a stick. Wrestling has its stick. So you watch a comedy, you uh, you liked uh whatever, Family Matters, and Urkel every week goes, Did I do that? Or in Seinfeld every week, Hello Newman. That's that's funny. It can be funny every week. But if the entire twenty four minutes is Hello Newman, Hello Newman, hell it's not funny. 
And that's nope. sort of what, what, what we've been getting. And listen, I, I thought it was chucklesome the first two or three weeks. And I, and I thought actually the way they used him most of year one was pretty good, but this is crazy. He's like the Terminator. And, and I see people pretending that there's stories here, that he's telling stories in the match and that the stories each time he has to work harder and it's taking more out of him. I'm not seeing anything. I'm, I'm just saying that, that nothing affects him. He, that he feels pain. Like he feels everything else barely. Um, yep. And, you know, a lot of people were saying, oh, I think this is time for Swerve to get his title because, you know, WWE squashed the guy. So, you know, the AEW is surely going to see the star in him and they're going to give him gold and reward him for it. And and Orange Cassidy's had a great title run and, and you know, it's but it's time to give him a rest. Nope. Have you been like, I'm asking us, have you been watching the promotion? But if there was any doubt, the second the embassy turned around and walked back into their entrance tunnel, you knew there was no chance that Swerve was winning because he would have to do it with some fuckery. Even then, it was only 50-50 because, you know, you would think that there'd be, a, you know, there'd be a pretty good chance of a schmoz were best friends or these days yeah. Darby and Sting would come out and, you know, fight the embassy or whatever it was. But none of the yeah. they walked away. You knew that there was no chance. So instead, what we got is another match that went too long with the same spots and, you yeah. know. And some spots that were just egregious. Like, it, it's worth uh, finisher. Swerve's fi- yeah, Swerve's finish. Um, and Swerve is so interesting physically. Like, his physicality is so fun to watch because he does things in the ring that other people just don't do. He actually reminds me a lot of a younger Rob Van Dam. He does things where you're going, fuck, nobody else does that. Nobody in wrestling does that. Um, but, I mean, he's at one not. point... He's, he's, yeah. like, he's, like, he's, like a, he's like a cat. He's like pounces. He's so seamless. Yeah, he's almost exactly. Like, I mean, this is going to be a horrible analogy, but he's only he's he's got like stripper flexibility and moves. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Um, at one point here, like I have to I have to bring this up because this spot just pissed me off. Like it 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 literally made me think to myself, do I even want to finish watching this show? Like I like, and I run a show reviewing the show, Jeff, like this is like the skirmish is something I've been doing for almost four years. And I legitimately almost just went, you know what? Jimmy and Jeff can do it this week. I'm not <laughs> fucking doing it. Um, so there's a spot where Cassidy puts swerve in basically an octopus stretch. And then he puts, instead of locking the arm while the octopus stretch is, is applied, which you're supposed to, right? Because otherwise the person can just, pull you off of them. He puts his hands behind on the back um, of Swerve so that he can put his hand in his, in his, you know, in his chin, like I'm bored. Right. Right. And I'm thinking to myself, so Swerve's arms are both free. Why doesn't he just grab the leg of orange Cassidy and push? Right. What the fuck is going on here? Right. And I'm not a professional wrestler, Jeff. I'm just a person who understands a little bit of logic. If your matches have that level of illogic, I'm just going to get fucking mad. Like I'm, I'm not disappointed. I'm mad. What the fuck are you people doing? (laughs) Right. That's, that's exactly right. That's how I feel the same way about this. I did when, when Santino Morella put on the, the Cobra puppet on his, on his hand and people acted like they were scared. It's just, it's just dumb. Um, And and these matches always go really, really long. And don't tell me it's not the same match practically every single time. We see the same moveset. And every wrestler does the same moveset. But 
I don't know. This this was a squandered opportunity to give the title to a new person, give a new dynamic, give a new dynamic to the embassy, which maybe make Ring of Honor feel a little bit more important. I don't know. Just, you know, this to me was a fail. And admittedly, you and I are not the biggest Orange Cassidy fans in the world. So we, you know, but this was the first time that I thought, just looking at the card that that there was a viable chance that that he was gonna he, he might lose the title and uh, you know I, th- I never thought it was going to be better than 50 50 but again like i said once the embassy walked the other way i'm like that's it don't need to pay attention to this shit little did i know that i was because i was going to have to do this show but um <laughs> <laughs> well we're happy we're happy you did wind up paying attention to this shit anyway prince mama's group uh jump cassidy uh, and then Sting and Darby make the save by turning the lights off and then turning them back on when they're in the ring. I... Right. For three minutes. This yeah. old man's thing takes a long time to get, get into the ring. He's a very, very old man. He's old yeah. man Sting at this point. That's his. Mm-hmm. That's the new version of Sting. It's old man Sting. Old man Logan. Um, exactly. Um all right, next up we have uh, one of these uh, competing promo battle things where, you know, one guy says one thing and then there's a quick cut to the other guy and then a quick cut to the other guy and then back and forth. Um, this between Jay White and Ricky Starks, and uh, they basically are both looking to prove who's the best between the two of them. That's That was the whole thing. I like this. This is old school pro wrestling. They need to do more of this and less 25-minute matches with Orange Cassidy. And actually, I like this too, and I, I like it when AEW does this. This is something they do and WWE doesn't do, uh, and I I know NWA does, and I can't speak for what Ring of Honor is doing because I only watched those first three episodes. I don't think ML – I think MLW does it sometimes. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But yes, you're right. There's, it's sort of quick. It's like – it's 30 seconds, but it feels like you got two promos and it's mm-hmm. quick, does the job, and you know, and you know, it's interesting. And the 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 people who aren't great talkers, they don't they don't expose themselves. It's like their best bits. Yeah, exactly. Unless they're unless they're Jungle Boy, and then they completely expose themselves every time they speak in any you know situation at all. Sure. Um, Brian Danielson promo next. Uh, he wants to face Okada, um, and I know I'm kind of killing my gimmick by saying this. I really want to see this fucking match. Like yeah. I am looking forward to this match. You are actually the one who told me that the main event of Forbidden Door is going to be Kenny and Osprey, which that's not only not a dream match, it's a match that's happened before. We've already seen that. Why would not why would you not main event with something as monumental as Okada versus Danielson? Maybe it will What be. is that, Jeff? I, you know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe it will end up being the main event, which is fine. But listen, everyone knows that I'm not that interested in exhibition matches and I'm not that interested in New Japan, but I am interested in Daniel Sinokata. I am interested in Kenny Ospreay. Uh, I know people are saying that Adam Cole versus MJF is going to be on Forbidden Door 2. I don't think it will be. I think that they're going to hold that for an AEW pay-per-view, but you know, or but but I don't know that for sure. And I'm not particularly interested in that either, but I understand that there are people who might be. But those two matches that, that, that are confirmed, I mean, that's what Forbidden Door was supposed to be. It was supposed to be these dream matches. And last year they they that's not what they that's not what they gave us. I mean, you got Will Ospreay against Orange Cassidy, you got Okada as a 
36 or 96 hours before the show, addition to a fatal four way match. I mean, you, it, it, it wasn't the, you know, you thought you're going to get Brian Danielson versus Zack Sabre Jr. We, you know, we didn't get that. I don't want to see it anyway, but I know people did. So this is shaping up to be what the promise of Forbidden Door always supposed to be. And yes, will more AEW people beat New Japan people here on U.S. soil? Yes, they will. Partly because it's on U.S. soil. Also partly because Tony Khan is paying all the money. Um, but when the AEW people go to Japan, does anyone look what happens there? No, they, they, the New Japan people win more often than not when that happens. And, and that's the way these partnerships generally work. When you're in Mexico, you lose. When the Mexican talent is here in a big match, they lose. I mean, that's usually how it happens and unless you're trying to do like a, a major story arc. Um, so anyway, yeah, and I thought this was a great promo by Brian. And I also, you know, he's he's calling himself the best in the world a lot and he's having himself referred to as the best in the world a lot, which sort of says to me that maybe they're building to a punk Brian match down the line, either at... Uh, you know, maybe Wembley, maybe the maybe all you know, either all in or all out, maybe both. Mm-hmm. Maybe they'll do a best of seven. Who knows? But uh, I mean, a, a best of seven to prove your who really is the best in the world. I, that sounds cool. That sounds interesting to me. Yep, I'd love to see the promo battles between them too, because you know, Brian Danielson has a real bone to pick if he wants to pick a bone with CM Punk. You know, he really can go after CM Punk for, listen, you selfish bastard. Like, this is two companies now where I've been the best professional wrestler in the world and you've been a prick screwing up backstage areas in both companies while calling yourself the best in the world. You're not the best in the world. Step into the ring with me and I'll show it and I'll show you. Like, that's the kind of thing that can get people like me excited. Like knowing this company, they're going to feud over. They, they faced each other in a fucking video game and CM Punk beat him at Pac-Man or some shit. But I mean, that kind of like blurring the lines kind of like, um, I, I, and I want to prove that I'm better than you because I don't like you. Uh, that's what professional wrestling is supposed to be. Like that's what it's meant to be. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I mean, I don't think it's an accident. I don't think it's a coincidence by any stretch. And and I don't think that it's, you know, fake heat that I, you know, I, I think, I think it's breadcrumbs that's going to lead to something because I think that Brian is probably one of those people. I, I know Brian's one of those people who will work with anybody. He will do whatever yep. he has to do to do it. And I, I don't, you know, and, and I'm, and I'm sure that he's not on the won't work with them CM Punk list either. No, I like I can almost guarantee you that he's not. I mean, and it's like I can picture for some reason I had this in my mind today as I was working. I'm driving my truck and I'm delivering, you know, gravel to places. And I'm thinking I can literally picture, you know, in my mind, Tony Khan going up to Samoa Joe and going, hey, Joe. Um, you know, uh, would you be okay with working with punk? Is that, is that all right, Joe? And Joe just going, you're the boss. You tell me who to fucking work with and who's going over and who's going under. That's your job. I show up and perform like, because that's what old school pro wrestlers do. That's your job. You're the booker. I just fucking do what I'm told. Well, well, given the way Joe's body language and facial expressions seem to be when Tony Khan is near, he's probably like, 
just text me. I'll do whatever you say. Just don't come closer. <laughs> just don't fucking talk to me. Right. Uh, yeah, talk to exactly. Me. Don't even try to hug me. No touching. <laughs> Definitely don't fucking hug me. Yeah, you go hug Orange Cassidy some more. Leave me yeah, the fuck I alone. I guess I'm Martha Hart. I love Joe. He just, She's wearing just... an Easter bonnet. Go get her. Go get her, <laughs> he's, cowboy. He's so great. All right. So next up here, we've got uh, Chaos, which is uh, apparently a thing that they're talking about again, which is the best friends in Rocky Romero, who are apparently a part of the group Chaos, which is a group that's run by Kazuchika Okada in Japan. Who else right. is a member of this? We don't know. Why are, are they a country? group? We don't know. Why couldn't they possibly come out to make the save for their friend Orange Cassidy earlier? I mean, yeah. Literal stablemates. Okay, anyway, they're facing the Blackpool Combat Club, uh, who get a huge ovation for Wild Thing, because they're heels. Yeah, they're bad guys. Heels. Bad guys that no one likes. Wild Thing! Woo! And they come through the crowd. Yep. They really try to turn Willow Yuta into like Butch, aren't they? Or Thea Hale. Pretty much. Oh, you don't watch yeah. NXT, but Thea Hale's like the little overexcited Chase U student. Ah, okay. I, I mean, I, I got the reference with Butch. Yeah. Because unfortunately now I review SmackDown. Fuck. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Chaos jumped the jump the uh, combat club uh, before the match. How many clubs are there now? There's the combat club and the bullet club, and there's probably some other club that I'm not thinking of, but there's just too many clubs. Um, Oh, there's the original club in WWE. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure that there's more than you want to think about. I mean, there's, there's 17 versions of bullet club. So there's that. Yeah. Right. So anyway, chaos jumped the club before the match. Uh, Chucky, can fuck off i I just honestly when i see chuck on tv when i see him wrestling it just looks like the local safeway bagger like wandered into a wrestling ring and it happened to be on television i i I cannot describe to you how annoyed i am to see chucky t on my television i don't i don't like this guy at all second it great brian danielson in character breaking down all the stupid shit the best friends do though is great i liked him on commentary here um at one point when they did the hug right and you know they gotta give the people what they want fucking brian immediately goes imagine wasting all this time while facing a team like the bat like the blackpool combat club exactly (laughs) yeah yeah, imagine that. Imagine how stupid you'd have to be. Um, and then after uh, after a big, you know, double team move or a triple team move, uh, you know, they basically just move into a transition. And he goes, "They didn't even go for a cover. What? What are they doing?" Yeah, uh, Brian. Brian is terrific at this. Brian Danielson is so good at just being like the pissed off traditionalist. I love him. He's great. Um, yeah, they uh, they do the same spot that they seem to end all of their matches with, where everybody's doing elbows or submissions in the ring at the same time. The club wins. Uh, I didn't like this match, but Danielson is great on commentary. I did like the the uh, the European uppercut off the floor um, while Trent was trying to do like a uh, uh, a moonsault. 
uh, to a standing Cesaro who hit him with a European uppercut in the middle yeah. of his of his backflip. That was pretty cool. But I didn't like this match, and we'll talk about it, you know, coming up here. But they need to stick to one segment where there are multiple people in the ring getting the finish at once. They they can't do that twice in a night. It looks stupid. Right. And and that's the problem with the, the AW talent booking their own segments and there being no continuity manager, and no editor, and everyone being able to do what they want is that you do get these repeat finishes and these repeat storylines over and over and over again. And I guess since they're an echo chamber, nobody tells them it's a bad idea. But, you know, my, my bigger problem with this is that, well, as usual, a team like Chaos or Best Friends and Rocky Romero, who's retired about 42 times, shouldn't be getting anywhere near this amount of offense on the BCC. The BCC shouldn't be having much difficulty at all with them. Yeah, do, do they get some cool spots in because of that? Yeah, I mean, Cesaro can time that uppercut, like, you know, probably better than anyone else in the business, which is probably why it's his finisher. Um, but, I mean, the BCC should have walked all over these guys, and God knows that the AW in the past has certainly needed some help with its time management I can't tell you the way they did they did or they didn't this evening because uh, I don't know what other things uh, didn't make it to TV. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't care for this match either. And and you know, again at the end they're having you know Wheeler Yuta has to be in on every finish now, so he he gets one of the submissions and like you know like a rabid dog he would not stop doing the elbow smashes to Chuck, which I don't mind in principle of course because I don't like Chuck and that's fine. But you know this whole thing about trying to make Wheeler Yuta a thing is weird. Like if one day, like they, he just disappeared, like in, like in TV, like where they had a new Becky on Roseanne. Like if one day Wheeler Yuta was gone and they came back with a different Wheeler Yuta and it actually looked like a wrestler, like I'd be okay with that. Yeah. <laughs> just have him disappear and just somebody comes out and they're <laughs> like Matt Cardona. <laughs> Taz, Taz, is, Taz is like, who's, who, who's that? That's Wheeler Yuta. He had a growth spurt. That's Wheeler Yuta. What are you talking about? Shut up. <laughs> You waiting for us to have his growth spurt? Maybe next week. Oh, good stuff. All right. MJF comes out next, um, obviously to set up whoever his next challenger is. He says he was contractually obligated to show up in Colorado, and he hates it because they're all drug addicts in this in this uh, godforsaken Whole state. state. Yep. <laughs> Adam Cole comes out. Uh, he's an entrance, and absolutely fuck all else as a face. He, he's... There is nothing interesting about Adam Cole as a face. As a heel, he can be kind of smarmy and a bit of a bit of a smart ass, and at least he's like semi entertaining. As a face, I I don't know, Jeff. I oof, it's rough every time he says anything. I'm just like fuck this guy. So MJF says he was a fan of Adam Cole, which I. I find hard to believe. Uh, he said that, uh, you know, Ring of Honor sucked, but Adam Cole was great. I thought, well, at least Ring of Honor sucked was was part of this. Well, the crowd um, agreed. He was asking the crowd about Ring of Honor twice, and they booed both times. Yeah, so good job. Good job on that $20 million, TK. I'm real <laughs> glad you, you did that. And, and, and like, MJF looked, like, legitimately surprised. Like, he was not expecting boos for that. 
No, yeah. I mean, he legitimately was like, oh, oh, yeah, well, yeah. Um. Anyway, MJF watched Cole watched Cole do a bunch of indie crap. I don't. He I couldn't follow all of this PWG and whatever the fuck else he was talking about. W and yeah, just places that no one knows anything about. Said that uh, you know he watched Cole become you know become the greatest world champion in NXT. Uh, it's not a world championship. It's the NXT championship because it is not a world championship. Well, given how there's no law enforcement in that parking lot and it is the most dangerous place in the world, it, it might be its own little universe and its own little world. But uh, yeah, he was you know, he was clever. He said that, and that's undisputed. And you know, I watched you shock the system. You know, he he he, he played all the he played all the hits. I I, I actually enjoyed the MJF thing. You used to be the thing. Panama Playboy. Now you're the Pla- Panama Game Boy. The game that was close, um, but yeah, I, I I liked it all. I liked his allusions to the the rumor that Adam Cole was going to be Keith Lee's manager. By the way, the, I I tweeted me me imagining Adam Cole right now being the manager for Veer and Sangha that makes a would be a whole lot better than than Jinder Mahal. Um, True, but uh, you know they, he did all the thing like the 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 man in Titan Tower saw nothing and then he he dropped. He said and that that man is Vince McMahon. Big fan. I'm a big fan by the way. But uh-huh. yeah, he, he he you know he does the thing. He insults the town, calls them poor drug addicts. You know, and then you know. He, he said that MJF is so frail that he makes crack whores jealous. I, yeah, I mean, like, yeah. <laughs> MJF is just money on the mic. I mean, he really is just absolute fucking money. The other thing that he said here that I wanted to that I wanted to make reference of, he said that uh, the way Cole looks right now is he looks like a virgin golem, and I just <laughs> <laughs> is he wrong? Is Not he wrong, wrong though? Not really. I mean, he's right. Cole has a nice sparkle in his eye, and you know he talks good game. But he's, you know, he's he's very very dainty. I mean, you know, him and MJF are about the same height. I've seen MJF like I've I was we were at Starcast, and he was at a table. I don't know, maybe fifteen feet from me. And you know, I'm not saying he's short, but he's he's definitely not taller than me. He might he might be a little bit shorter than me, and by a little, I mean. Within an inch and a half, so he's no shorter than five eight and a half. He's no taller than than five ten, um, and it looked like him and Cole were eye tie. But he's he's considerably thicker, and they, you know, they made a little line about it about uh, you know we'll go piss in a cup and see who's natural. I, I mean, first of all, NJF ain't that big. He's not Brian Cage, and no. Adam Cole. No. Nobody, nobody thinks that you're on the juice. No, it is nobody. <laughs> in fact, in fact, most people think that you should get on some juice, like right. even it. just some it. actual juice, some orange juice, so that right. your body has some fucking carbohydrates to eat off of. It's like you might it's be embarrassing. On, on those, those juices that people drink to like to give you laxatives to you know to maybe like a prune juice or something. Mm. So or, well, yeah, no, no prune juice because if if that guy empties himself out anymore, he's going to turn inside out. Wait for him to have his first um, his colonoscopy. So, so Cole, like one of the things that Cole seems to me, right, as as a wrestling fan, who I mean, you you understand my politics pretty good, Jeff. I consider myself to be a centrist, right? But I'm a bit of a equal opportunity, you know, joker, right? Like I, mm-hmm. I, I'll I'll say Lauren Boebert's fucking crazy. At the same time, I'll say o- AOC's lost her mind, right? I th- I think all of these people are fucking crazy, right? One of the things that 
I've noticed, and I think uh, the rest of the world kind of notices about Adam Cole is that he he's he's a bit of a liberal. You know, he's he's a bit of a he's a bit of a hoity-toity type liberal. And he started this promo by saying, "Oh yeah, well you're 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 a troll, MJF." And I just thought, "Oh fuck off, right, boo this man! Toxic. You're a toxic troll. Fuck off, grow right. a pair." Don't don't use these social media seven percent Twitter like toxic control. I mean, any anytime someone says toxic and they're not actually talking about hazardous wastes or spills, it's like I'm just like you're a little bit weak. Yeah, and then okay, here's here's something that truly bothers me in professional wrestling, and this is something that people do now that they absolutely did not do when I was a kid. So, and Adam Cole used this in his promo uh, when he was going up against Killer Cross in NXT 2, right? He talked about how MJF, everybody, you know, everybody pays attention to MJF because he's talented on the mic and he's interested, you know, he's an interesting, uh, you know, promo, etc. right? But, um, you know, you, you know what, you know what people do? Uh, when they want to see me do something interesting, they put me in the ring and my, my matches are five star matches and I, I have great matches against people and that's what makes me great. Hey dummy, that's not the fucking point of professional wrestling. The point of professional wrestling is to say, look at all of the things that I've accomplished. Look at all of the things that I've done in this company. Look at how great I am. Like, do you remember that? Do you remember that line in Captain America three where Cap was like, "You know, Hydra, when I went up against Red Skull, the fans gave me five stars for the fight that we had." No, that didn't fucking happen. He like the references to Red Skull are, "I beat that motherfucker, and he was a huge threat to me, and he was trying to beat me." Me having a five star match means absolutely sweet fuck all in a kayfabe sense, and it drives me up a goddamn wall when people do that in their promos. You're exactly right. How do you admit that this is a dance recital without admitting it's a dance recital? The the purpose of the professional wrestling match is to beat the opponent, and you want to beat them as quickly as possible. The fact that it's a great match is only because you had trouble beating your opponent you know, either ultimately did or bravely lost or, you know, no, nobly lost or whatever it was. And then you have the respecting, but you're not supposed to talk about great matches. I mean, you can say I can beat you in 90 seconds. I can beat you in 90 minutes. Either way, I'm going to beat you. But mm-hmm. yeah, you, you, this, this whole thing about, you know, behind the curtain, I mean, you know, Floyd, you know, Floyd Mayweather, you know, barely could knock anyone out, but if he could, he would. I mean, Mike Tyson was known for the knockouts. <laughs> you know, that's mm-hmm. what people want to see. Muhammad Ali could do both, but but no one was saying, I'm going to go for a great fight tonight. And back then, there were 12, 15 rounds when I was younger. And, but no one said, I'm going to take you all 15 rounds. You might say, I'm going to dance around for 15 rounds until you can't breathe any longer. Um, but that wasn't the goal. The goal was to, get, was to win the fight with your strategy. And that strategy, if you were Mike Tyson, was a first or second round knockout. You know, maybe maybe if you were Muhammad Ali and was George Foreman, it was a rope dope. You know, your right. strategy was to take him into the deep waters until he couldn't breathe, and then to win. But 
you're right. This whole thing about like, you know, I, I, I deliver great math matches and performances. No, you didn't. You, you want, you win fights. And no matter how good your opponent is, you rise to the level or you're just a little bit better than they am, but you're, you're winning fights and you're, you're not in my league, you know, or you, Adam Cole, you, you know, look at the shape you're in. You, you couldn't possibly do an Iron Man match like I had. And Adam Cole yeah, be yeah. like, just watch me. You know, that, that, you know, that's what it needs to be. Yeah. Get back to kayfabe when you're trying to sell me a fucking fight. At least when you're trying to sell me on a fight, like tr- just just pretend like it's real, please. Just that's all I'm asking you to do. Just pretend like what you're doing is an actual competition. I'm I don't I do not understand these guys blowing their fucking business just so that they can get some kind of a reaction from the live crowd. The live crowd will love that I talk about the fact that I have five stars. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know who's not going to love it? People in fucking Hamilton, you jackass. Right. And, anyway. you know, they and they agreed to a match which was not made official and people are assuming it'll be at Forbidden Door, which, you know, that's fine. That's, you know, that that's a perfectly good place for it to be. It's not really what should be in Forbidden Door. It should be matches against other promotions, but it doesn't have to be. Um, that's a little quick. And, you know, does anyone think that MJF is dropping the AEW title at, M- at Forbidden Door? No. So, you know, it's like, you know, this is like the Ricky Starks trap. You know, he gets that first title defense match, uh, you know, just like Damian Priest a week ago on, on Raw. There's no way Seth Rollins was losing that belt. So well, why do you why do you do that with Damian Priest? I mean, with WWE, they, they're they're clearly building some sort of story where, you know, Finn is, you know, p- putting himself where he doesn't need to be, et cetera, et cetera. And this is not a WWE review show, so we don't need to get into that. Um, but they do things their way. But uh you know, I I don't, you know, you would think that if that match was confirmed for Forbidden Door 2, it would have been announced, unless that's going to be ne- Tony Khan's next major announcement on TV since he's doing these things weekly now. Yes, every week, every single week. Tony has a huge announcement. I think he did uh, four times throughout that whole announcement. It's just ridiculous. Um, anyway, Hardy Party or backstage uh, Matt says that uh, Ethan Page is is in is you know his his contracted wrestler now and he's gonna he's gonna make Ethan Page better. Yeah, the OG Hardy Party was there. Okay, no Mark Quinn, and and since when? And most of the time that that Matt was with Private Party, Jeff was not around for reasons. And Jeff looks terrible. Does 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 he not look terrible? He looks terrible. Yes, he does. Thin, terrible. He looks like he's sort of lost out there. He doesn't really know what to say. What he says sounds silly and and demure. Um, I don't know what this says about me, but I did laugh when Brother Zay went, ah, the moan at the end, you know, the moan event. Uh, But okay, this is nonsense. And poor Ethan Page, this has been a year that they've been trading the contracts between this little these little faction groups which are both subgroups of what i think at some point was the andrade family office but no andrade then just the 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 family office and then it was the hardy family office and on one side there was the firm and the firm acquired them but then there is no firm and we don't know who's who's in the firm and now there's no one now there's no andrade but there is a loss Los Incobernables. And and Ethan Page clearly is not in the firm anymore. He's part of the Hardy Party. But on Rampage, he's the third man with former members or current members of the firm, Lee Moriarty and Big Bill, in a a six-man match 
on Rampage. So obviously that's that's not going to work out. But it it's all just so very confusing. And all of this for mm-hmm. the Hardys, who if they were going to do anything, it, it, it should be to have like one more run with the, with Tag Team Gold. But they can't yep. have because FDR are faces and you know their brand spanking new and they you know their their feelings get hurt when they don't when we're not they're not treated great and I don't know how long and you the can bucks, count on. Yeah. And the bucks need to be exploding shoes and stuff and absolutely. And how long do you think that yeah you know yeah, anyway Jeff can all right stay uh, on the straight and hour assuming you're... not long and Matt's body N- not yeah. long. But you're right, spending too much time on, on the Hardy nonsense, because it really is low-card nonsense. All right, well, let's get on to some more nonsense. As Jungle Hook take on Los Ingobernobles. Who's Jungle Hook uh, again? It's it's Jungle Boy and Hook. What did Jungle, Jungle Boy Hook. tell us he was not going to do this year? Yeah, because he's not going to do that, because he, he wants to win singles titles. Right, and then when they Plural. did Jungle Hook, it was going to be a one-time thing, right? It was just a one-time thing, and it was fun, but that's it. I'm done now, and I'm going to go after singles championships now. Right. Okay. So the way to get singles champions is to tag team with Hook again against Los Ingobernables, which, by the way, I mean, Roosh must have actually legitimately been suspended after what he did to Jungle Boy, because he has not been on TV since. Well... Thank fucking God for Roosh and what he did to Jungle Boy because that 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 was probably the best thing I've seen on 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 an AEW show in six months. That was great. That was fucking fantastic. Just fuck you, beat the shit out of him for fifteen minutes and then let him get a roll up. Alright, shit. Right. And so this match arose out of sort of a random match where they they pitted what was it was a jungle boy against Vance was it or, I, I don't know whatever happened then Los Ingobernables decided to beat up Jungle Boy I think no I, well whoever and, and either Hook or Jungle Boy ref whoever him, whatever the fuck happened who gives a shit it doesn't really fucking matter it's it's Jungle Hook versus Drillistico and Chance the Rapper um, right. lazy lazy booking here as it's just everybody's in the ring at all times and there's chains and tables and bullshit and cords and you know how else are you going to teach a guy like hook the basic fundamentals of professional wrestling right or drillistico or or preston vance (laughs) how else are you going to teach them that just just have them go out and hit each other with chains and shit fucking nonsense there's a reason why this type of match used to be for guys like bam bam bigelow and terry funk and motherfuckers who actually understood the fundamentals of professional wrestling because they could go out there without injuring each other or busting each other open the hard way fucking hook jesus yeah preston vance was hemorrhaging from the side of his head not a place that people usually blade themselves or do things purposefully hard way a la Brock. This, this is, there's, there's a blood vessel really close to, to where, where he was uh, bleeding out from. And there was an awful spot where Drillistico was in the wrong direction. So he took a couple of steps voluntarily while he was supposed to be, you know, being held by his opponents turned around so they could, so they could throw him into a table the right way. Just ridiculous. I mean, egregious this was this was this wasn't even wrestling school wrestling school would have been have a fucking tag match 
Go out there and have a tag match. Have a decent tag match where there's fucking heat and then a comeback and a hot tag and a finish. Go out there and have a four-minute, five-minute tag match where there's just logical A follows B follows C storytelling. Nope. We're just going to have fucking... At one point... Hook does a version of the Beats of the Bowery, but he's one-fourth the size of Seamus. So who fucking cares? It's not impressive. That doesn't make me think that you're hurting somebody. It makes me think you're slapping someone's chest because you weigh 180 pounds, you little fucker. I don't care who your dad is. You're not a fucking good wrestler. So let's just have everybody use furniture to hide the fact that they can't tell a story, bleed all over the place, be hyper-violent. I'm just bored with this shit. This whole, like, have everybody go out there and bleed and bring out tables and all that other stuff. I was never an ECW, Mark. I still don't like this shit. Yeah. I don't either. I mean, there's a time and a place for it, but the the time and the place, according to AW, is every Wednesday. Oh, oh, sorry. One more fucking complaint before I let you before I let you talk. The end of this match was another fucking spot where they did a double submission in the middle of the ring. Hey, fuckers, do it once. One fucking time on a show. Where are the fucking bookers? Who the fuck is in charge of this company? This is exactly the kind of fucking indie shit that you absolutely never used to get on the fucking professional leagues. The big leagues did not do this shit. No. The last guy did fucking double submission spot in the the middle of the ring for the finish. Of course you can't fucking do it too. No. I can't improve upon that. I'm not going to try. (laughs) Fuck. It's just, it's such amateur hour bullshit. It's, uh, no, anyway. you're 100% correct. This, this, this was a horrendous match, and the only thing that covered it is that there was a more horrendous match, which I believe is next. Yeah, well, there's a bunch of horrendous shit. Tony Khan announces the first ever main event for Collision. It's going to be Bullet Club Lead and Samoa Joe versus FTR and CM Punk. Plus, Samoa Joe and Jay White and uh, Juice Robinson have a rich and storied history together or have never met before. I'm not sure which. <laughs> well, one of those two. <sighs> so we anyway. So now we know why FDR was helping Ricky Starks a couple weeks ago and went, you know, went, and then when they saw him behind the, I don't know, like back in the corner going, Ricky, hey, you okay, man? And then they you know, bumped into Juicer or, or Jay White. So it was, it was all to sort of build this. Okay, got it. Terrific. Um, yeah. Long-term storytelling. That's what the marks will tell us online. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> Fuck me, Jeff. All right. Next up here, we've got Take a Shit versus Jobber number three in a squash match. The strikes look like shit. The facials aren't good. And they think that they're going to turn this fucking kid into their Okada, and they can't. You can't just make an Okada. You cannot do it. Right. And, and they could have made him into, into a pretty decent face, um, but he didn't get any help from his opponent. His opponent was terrible. I mean, I thought, I'm like, is that Sean Spears? I mean, what, who is that? I mean, we didn't even get a name, but that guy could not work. Nope. He, I mean, he was... Even... Even after the three count, like, so one, two, three, if you're a jobber, lay there, don't fucking move or like 
roll out of the ring slowly to show the people that you're completely fucked. That's your job. This guy went one, two, three, and on the three, he tapped his hand on the on the mat three times. And then, like, basically just, you could see that he was just laying, like, you, you don't have anybody who can work? <laughs> he was tapping along. The, 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 the referee is doing that so you don't have to be able to count to three in your head. <laughs> yeah, that's their job. Your job is to lay there. Fuck. And every child can count to three in their head. I mean, when the parents say you need to turn off the light at one, two, three, the, the, the kid under the bed with their flashlight knows how to do that. Or to turn off their flashlights, like they, their illuminated device. By three years old, they know how to, they know how to turn off their, their Game Boy or their PlayStation or whatever they've got under there. Anyway. Yep. Uh, yeah. Th- this, this was really bad. And listen, having a, a heel manager can help get heel heat, but if you already hate the heel manager and you don't really hate the, the, the face wrestler or the newly heel ma- wrestler, it doesn't really translate. Um, and this doesn't, re- this didn't really translate. I mean, I think that all the heat is on Don Callis, who's just a very unlikable looking oily. So he sort of seems like a carnage. He plays his character very well when he was with Kenny and that whole crew he was great. He was a highlight of it. Him and Kenny worked together wonderfully. Um, I see what they're trying to do, but I'm not feeling it. I, I like Takeshita better as a, as a babyface. I you know I don't know. I know it's been all of three weeks, but so far I'm not. Uh, you know, I guess I'm seeing the same things you are, which is which the, the reverse is saying I'm not seeing somebody that people are going to hate just because he grew the bleach out of his hair. No. And a black hoodie. Know, I forgot the black hoodie. Yeah, sorry. No, and because he said, Kenny Omega. That's right. So, okay. all right. So he's going to go after Kenny Omega. So, I mean, cool. I guess, yeah, exactly right. Great. Fucking, and, then Ken, and then Don Callis cut the same promo he's cut for three fucking weeks. Everything Kenny Omega's done, I, it was because of me. I did it. I'm the one yeah. I'm the one who made it all happen. Shh. I mean, what the f- you're just repeating yourself. I was going to say the exact same thing. The only difference was, is he unbuttoned another button or two on his shirt? <laughs> like, fuck, man. All right. Backstage, Christian Cage uh, is behind a door, and there's some noises happening, and it sounds like a buffalo is attacking someone. Mm-hmm. Christian Cage comes out, and he says that Arn Anderson cost me the title. I was I had that championship in my hands, and then Arn came out, and he, and he cost me the championship. So he opens the door, and Luchasaurus comes out, and Brock Anderson is still alive. I wow, Brock Anderson's still a thing. He's a prop for whenever somebody needs to be mad at Arn. Oh, fuck. True. Okay, so good promo by Christian. It did make me remember how the timing was off in that ladder match and how he was holding on to that belt way too long to have not pulled it down two and a half times by the time Arn got up there. To I mean, of all the people you want to move quickly and to ruin a finish for someone. I mean, picking Arn is about the worst choice out of anyone. I mean, like Vicky Guerrero would have gotten there more quickly. Anyway, the, the, you know, Luchasaurus comes out. Lex Luger might have gotten there quicker. Now. <laughs> and yeah. and uh, so he comes out a little bit smeared in blood, which is, and listen, they finally found a use for Brock Anderson. Good. So you get his shirt is ripped and he's got like the smallest amount of blood. Now this would have been a good place to use blood. How 
I mean, if Luchasaurus has blood smeared all over his body, Brock Anderson should have, have at least a proportionate amount of blood smeared all over him as well. And he had like a little yeah. smudge on his, you know, like on his forehead or something. It, it, it didn't even look wet. It was, I mean, for a company who really uses blood a lot, they, they should know how to at least... They don't know how to use blood. But they should at least know how to make a mess and, and make it look fresh and drippy. Yeah, just make but, it look like blood. But it's... this this was Brock Anderson's best work. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, lay there, moan a little bit. Good and, job, Brock. And he does look a lot like his father. Oy. Yeah, he does. It's He's unfortunate really that he looks so much like his dad and just can't wrestle. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, this was his best promo when. Oh, so yeah. Oh, good for Brock. Great work, Brock. Great work, Brock. Exactly. All right, coming up next, fucking wrestling school. The TBS championship is on the line as Chris Statlander defends against Anna J. Nope, Anna J.A.S. Because she's a heel again this week. She's back to being a bad guy, (laughs) y'all. Tricked ya. Remember those two weeks there where she wasn't Anna J.A.S. anymore? She was just Anna J. and she was cool and she she was happy to be there and all that stuff? Nope. Fuck you. You don't remember that. That didn't happen. Fuck off. No spooky Julia Hart. It was just a bad dream you had. It was a fever dream. She's back to Anna J.S. And just in case you didn't get the subtlety of the A.S. being returned to at the end of J., they gave us Magic Matt Menard out there to make a lot of noise. And for better or for worse, he was the best part of this match. Yep. Uh Nobody in the arena believed that there was any chance of Anna winning this match. So nobody responded to anything that happened in this match. There was no Statlander's entrance. And she's supposed to be the big star. Like people were supposed to be waiting for a year for someone to be Jade for this belt. And and they finally did. And it's supposed to anoint, make this new star. And I know it was a small crowd and I know they weren't making a lot of noise, but there was no reaction whatsoever for Statlander. Nothing. Zero. Absolutely none. Um, hey, you know, it might have been that the entire arena was just deaf fans. You know, Ooh. she's doing the sign language stuff. They might have just been deaf. You don't know. Yeah, why Why is she doing the sign language thing? I mean, I know she was an alien. She learned English. So I guess she learned American sign language as well. And uh-huh. it's cool. I mean, I like it. It's okay. She's, but like. I, you know, she, she's, she's a, she's a muscular alternative punk rock chick who literally signed mommy's home her first week on TV. That was her sign. Ooh. Mommy's home. Yeah. She's, she's a muscular alternative Mm -hmm. punk rock chick who called herself mommy. Sounds familiar. I mean, is she going to date Brock Anderson next? I, well, maybe she can date Buddy Matthews next. Maybe. Fuck. Talk, talk <laughs> about, talk about work dude heat. That, 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 that actually wouldn't be a bad storyline. Um, but this match was bad. And everyone told me that, that Chris Stadlander was a really, really good wrestler. And, I, and I've always said, like, I've seen her have okay matches, but I don't think she's really good. I think that she's a young wrestler. And I think she's getting better, but I don't see her as being really, really good. Um, I mean, she has a better double bicep than either Raquel Gonzalez or Dana Brooke, um, mm. you know, yeah. but but that 
you know, but she's only an okay. And her face still looks like a human face. Dana still Brooke. human, yeah, still human. Yep, right. Yeah, yeah Dana. Yeah, uh, NXT actually was was better camera for you. I'll I'll give you that. Um, yeah. Anna JS is not a good enough wrestler to to carry the match, and it's act. Nope. And I've seen her have better sloppy matches. I guess with people she likes better, or knows better, or or maybe because the matches are hardcore, it gets covered up by all of the, you know, the. the or maybe because she was a face last week, and she was told to go out there and continue to pretend to be Anna JAS when she hasn't been Anna JAS for the last fucking three weeks. I don't. I don't. I don't get this fucking company. The, the, you talked about it earlier. How people are members of one faction and then a member of another another faction, and then this faction isn't a faction anymore, and it's changed, and it's and it's the Andrade family office, but then it's the Hardy party, and then it's the and then and then it's the firm, and then it's the the, the, the this thing, and they the, they're just changing all of this stuff. Who who does Big Bill ride with right now? I I can't even fucking remember at this point. This company just really seriously needs somebody like I like I know <laughs> I know people think that I'm I'm just saying Bin because we happen to be connected with Bin. I would love for somebody with the gumption of Bin Hamin to go in there and be like, Tony, fuck off. I'm running the show. Because somebody's got to run the fucking show. Somebody has to. Yeah, somebody does. And, you know, and God knows I don't want to see more Jericho on here. But the fact that it's been two months and Jericho hasn't addressed the fact that Sammy Guevara is, is supposed to be a face and is no longer his psychic and he hasn't even mentioned it. it, it, it I mean, it, I mean, t- talk about Alzheimer's in, in, in America. Jeez. Mm. Uh, he's, he's another old man. So I don't know. But th- this, this match was clunky, slow, unartful. Un- there was no story. It was just, it was just, what's the next move that we got to get to? Okay. We did that one. All right. What's the next move we got to get to? Okay, we did that one. Okay, what's the next? It just, this was, uh, <laughs> I've used the word egregious already, but this was egregious. This was, this was wrestling school, like third weekend match. Right. And if the, if the only story was, well, you've been seeing mostly squash matches for the last two years from Jay Cargill and this champion's not going to give you squash matches. They're going to be a workhorse. Forgive me, but I would rather see squash matches. I would have rather seen Chris Danlander squash Anna Jay because this this was this was not a workhorse match. This was just a long sloppy match. And listen, there are there are people who you can squash. It's okay to squash certain people. Yeah. Squashing Anna Jay, totally all right. This is not a character who's proven herself to be some great tough you know, out for different champions or anything like that. Like she's not that character. I mean, maybe she can eventually get there in her career, but right now she's not that, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And there are women on this roster who you can go out there and have a really good six or seven minute match with, but Anna's not that. And if that's who you're going up against, just squash her. If you're going, if you have to go out there and you've got to put on five minutes have somebody who can go five minutes. If you have to go against Anna, Anna J, you've got 45 seconds. Go finish the match. And they rediscovered one of those wrestlers who, who was in the same building this very night, just on a different car in Mercedes Martinez. You're telling me yep. they can find Serena Deeb somewhere. I mean, uh, and not- Serena Deeb, I'll tell you, man, like 
give Serena Deeb a three-month program against Chris Statlander, Chris Statlander will be a significantly better professional wrestler at the end of those three months. Right. And I know Hikaru Shida is supposed to be dealing with the outcast, but listen, she can have other matches too, uh, especially if she's not going to be near the AEW Women's Championship. Well, mm-hmm. Why not give her her this? And she loses it in a noble effort. Now, I, maybe she can only work offensively and, where's, and can't Or where's Ruby? Someone. Where, where's Ruby? Where's Soraya? These they're not they're not going for the world title right now because Tony's the world champion, right? So yes. they've got to do something. <laughs> true, true enough. True, true enough. Uh, yeah, and there's probably others too. I mean, Madison Rain's supposed to be a trainer, but frankly, she's she's only marginally better than, than Anna Jay after being in this business twenty years. So I, I don't. that's the fucking problem right there. Yeah. That that's your trainer. That's your. Never mind. Five straight minutes of selling what's next over the next few weeks. I, I don't know why they do this, but they always have this spot where El Mascaco just fucking talks for five minutes about all the things that are coming up next. And he's talking, blah, 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 and he sounds like he's one of those auctioneers. Mm-hmm. Like, I just shut this off. I Shut up. I just he muted goes, this. He goes into full Don West mode. Rest in peace. And speaking of rest in peace, Iron Cheek, rest in peace. Uh, yeah. I, you know, I, listen, it's not like we don't want to do a tribute, but every other show you've heard has done a tribute to the Iron Sheik. Just, just, just know I love the Iron Sheik and, you know, he was one of the greatest villains of all time and sadly a character who probably can never repeat itself now because not the PWC fans per se, but wrestling fans writ large would not allow a character like that to exist. And it's a shame you're making wrestling boring, but God forbid you go, if you go to a movie and there's Nazis or white supremacists or terrorists or Russians or drug dealers or criminals or bad people, bad guys of any type, uh, corrupt uh, per, you know, priests uh, or, or whatever it is. God, you know, God forbid you rip from the headlines and actually have your, your wrestler characters be bad guys, not just I'm afraid and I cheat or I'm such a badass I don't care. Um mm-hmm. You know, because that's dull and that's part of what's wrong with wrestling. And how this is a tribute to Iron Sheik, just to say that he's one of the greatest characters of all time. Uh, they were scrolling about his death all day on CNN, the Iron Sheik. So, you know, I mean, I think Billy Graham got the same treatment, but there are very few wrestlers who make it to CNN all day long and probably every other network as well. Uh, being breaking news that the Iron Sheik died because he was that big. You think he would have been that ba- big if he was basically Jay White's character, or that I, I, mm-hmm. I, I'm a great, I'm the best in the world. Meanwhile, he, well, we'll talk or about if he Jay would have been the Iranian murder hawk, <laughs> right? And uh, so some guy from the uh, from an Arab anti defamation league said, you know, sadly it was a time where people misrepresented uh, Arabs. Okay, genius, you're representing Arabs. The Iron Sheik from Iran. Now, Iran has Arabs in it, but Iran is mostly Persian. Persian. Yeah, <laughs> Arabs are a significant population, but it's like about a third. And and he and you know, since he was a, a, an Iranian Olympia, chances are he was from the preferred caste. So chances are he was more Persian. And and Persians and Arabs don't exactly have a storied history of love and affection either. Anyway, so so and, and that country, just just so you know, that country really doesn't like the United States. Like that's a that's an actual thing. Iran, 
really doesn't like America. That's that's legitimate. That's not someone being racist. That's actually the truth about Iran. And not to steal too much from WWE, but then now, I'm not sure about forever, but definitely together. You know, three out yeah. of four still apply. Um, so anyway. So yeah, rest in peace. Well, and I, I think I mentioned I, I think I mentioned too on your on your Twitter when you when you were mentioning it. You know, uh, there's a difference between racial and racist. Yeah, you know, of course. There, you you could like I really think that like more more racial uh, you know groups or acts in professional wrestling would be fantastic. Like I I've mentioned this before, but like when I when I create, you know, stuff on WWE 2K games, like I do like a, I have like a tag team that are, they're two big guys and they're blonde hair, blue eyes. And I have them come out in their, they, I build them from Russia and I have them come out and they're called the Soviet sickles. And they're just a big tag team of assholes who are happy to be, you know, you know, Soviets. And they, you know, like that's sort of the way that I, that I, that I book them. Right. I've got a, I've got a tag team. I create too that I call Sinn Féin and they're, they're a heel Irish group. You know what I mean? Like there's nothing wrong with leaning into race as a character. Like as long as you're, you're not, I mean, it's not, I'm, I'm not having them show up and be like, you know, Oh, I'm, I'm drunk because I'm Irish and ha ha ha, all the Irish are drunks. It's just, I'm leaning into the race, the, the race, like I'm, I'm leaning into the race and culture of, of people and it makes it interesting. Like, I can honestly say that like nine times out of 10, that my WWE 2K is more interesting than what's on actual wrestling. And part of it is because like you're actually free to do what you want and do interesting things to book interesting characters, right? You're absolutely right. The Iron Sheik would never be allowed today. I mean, look at how quickly and how completely they got rid of the Muhammad Hassan thing. Like mm -hmm. that that was working. It mm -hmm. was working. They were getting heat. They were actually getting a reaction. And why? Well, because they leaned into something. And I actually, I, I will go to my grave saying that Muhammad Hassan, if you gave him an extra year or two years in that company, he could have been one of the biggest faces in the world. I really believe that the way that his character was running, which was, why do you people seem to think this about me just because I'm Arab? Right. That's wrong. That's racist. I actually think that that could have be become a huge face character, you know, given enough time and enough room to breathe. Because look, I mean, look at what they're doing now with the Saudi Arabia shows. I mean, Sami Zayn just headlined an event there, right? And it was, they're largely leaning into that same kind of idea of like, we're not terrorists just because of our race. That's something that you can lean into. And that, I mean, that could have been so good in professional wrestling that, that had so much potential in it, but well, can't do it. Yeah. Wrestling used to be edgy and outrageous and yeah. maybe the earliest uh, and I even realized it till now when I was thinking, but maybe the earliest example of go woke, go broke was when Zeb Coulter and Jack Swagger, the only time Jack Swagger's ever been over, was doing the we the people thing. They, they went woke and they brought Alberto Del Rio into it and then went broke. And then it didn't it work. Didn't all work time, out. It no longer made sense. Uh, so, yeah. 
so anyway, uh, the Sheik is great, and wrestling promoters, please, please consider to trust your audience a little bit more. Don't listen to Twitter so much. Trust me, people like stories. The bloodline should should show you that people like stories and and will follow stories and will trust in the story, even if it's not always great. Uh, and if it goes long, I mean, you know, soap operas are the only shows that like are on the air for like fifty years <laughs> solid. There's a reason for it. So anyway, I guess that we're are we at the main event at this point? We are. Whoo! Okay. Well, good. Yep, main event time. Ricky Starks versus Jay Switchblade White. Um, grudge match. Grudge match. Listen, these two worked hard. <laughs> I mean, they they were. They, I I don't know if it's just me or if it's just the way that they've booked this program or what, but I had a really hard time getting invested in this story, even though I really like Ricky Starks as a as an act and I'm really starting to respect that Jay White is an actually pretty good professional wrestler. I I, I don't know if his character is gonna get over, um especially considering the way that they've booked him so far, but I like him as a wrestler. I I, th- I think that he works really well. I I thought that it looked like two guys trying to get a win in a competition where the point of the match is to pin your opponent's shoulders to the mat for three seconds, which is a crazy thing to say in professional wrestling these days, but that's what this match looked like. I loved Stark selling exhaustion even during his fire up, right? Even as he was getting his fire back, as he was doing the comeback, he was kind of stumbling a little bit. Like he, his, his, his feet weren't sure. And that kind of thing. That's right. That's exactly how a fire up should be after a match like this, where you've been selling most of the time. It shouldn't look that the whole Hulk Hogan thing doesn't work anymore, where you just flat out don't sell any offense and just turn into Superman. Um, I really liked the comeback here from Ricky Starks. Uh, Rochambeau takes out the ref and then the guns come out to help. Uh, and, and then White picks him up, hits the Blade Runner for the win. What did you think of the match before we get into the guns and the bullet club and et cetera, et cetera? Well, I think most of the damage was done, as you were alluding to, way before the match. I mean, Ricky Starks at the beginning of the year looked like he was going to be the next face they were going to invest in, but they gave him a title shot too quickly that he had to lose. And then since then, they didn't really know what to do with him. And they didn't want to revisit Hobbs because they wanted to build Hobbs. They haven't done so, um, but they wanted to. Uh, so they didn't want to have 50-50 booking there. And they they just sort of let him you know, get mired in in a Jericho feud, which really almost never enhances anyone except keeping Jericho somehow relevant. Then they brought Jay White in as the biggest free agent, but they actually brought in Juice Robinson first. So they brought in the lesser guy. So Jay White instantly had to get down to the lower guy instead of having Mm -hmm. Jay White come in and win three matches, you know, over three weeks beat, you know, I don't know, whatever, Brian Pillman, Sean Spears and Captain Sean Dean. Three weeks in a row takes him a total of uh, seven minutes to be to be three guys, and you and you know that this this is someone to be reckoned with. He he is one of the top dogs, but now he felt like just a middling guy that isn't much better than Juice Robinson. Ricky Starks feels like he's fallen back to the mid lane, and he doesn't really know where to go. And so this, while it was the main event, it felt like the main event of a 
Shotgun Saturday Night or Rampage, not a Dynamite or a pay-per-view. And this should have been a pay-per-view main event. The match itself, I didn't love it. I thought the ref spot was really bad. The ref, like, walked right into it. He was just standing there like an oaf. And he sh- and he should have known the timing and where to be where he should have been position wise better. He should have you know looking in the other direction, whatever. I didn't like all the times that Jay White sort of quit and walked out of the match like like screw this. I know that's a standard heel thing, but he's not supposed to be that heel yet. He's supposed to be the he's supposed to be the John Moxley. I'm going to kick your ass heel. He's not supposed to be the MJF or when Adam Cole was was the chicken shit heel, like running away, backing away, you know, then, you know, poke you in the eye heel. So I, I didn't like that stuff. But yeah, they they work. The guns thing, that sort of came out of nowhere. I don't think that's necessarily in a good way. I, Wait, I mean, don't you get it? Don't you get it, Jeff? They're the guns and they're helping the Bullet Club. You know what? Get it? That makes a lot of guns. sense. Guns. Bullet Club. And, guns. And, and I... You know, I, I guess that since Bullet Club is now on a collision course with FTR, the guns may want FTR to look bad. But why would they why would they care what happens to the Bullet Club? Like if the Bullet Club gold gets the titles from FTR, does that make it easier for the guns to get the titles or harder? I I don't think it makes any bit of difference. So that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Are they joining Bullet Club gold? Well, great. Another faction for the guns. It's about their 46th faction uh, in, in, in two years. Um, I, I had hope that maybe they would bring back someone like Pac because I, I know they're going to, they have to have another member of Bullet Club come, come in. So like Pac sort of has the greasy look, he's got the moves, he's sort of got the style, but no, it's, you know, the guns, you know, I'm glad to see the guns are involved in something and we're not quite clear what their motivations were. Like, but like, what do they care what happens to Ricky Starks? He's not a tag team title holder and they're a tag team. So I, I didn't. I didn't really like, I didn't like the finish and it doesn't make sense to me. And I'm not all that intrigued. Like, like the question marks at the end of it, I don't really care if they're answered or not. So it didn't work. It didn't work for me, brother. That doesn't work for me, brother. Um, yeah. Listen, main eventing for this company doesn't fucking mean anything. How many times has Daniel Garcia main evented for this company? Too much. It yeah. doesn't it doesn't it doesn't mean anything. Main eventing, like being in the main event of a wrestling show is supposed to mean that you're a main event star. But in this company, it doesn't mean anything. I'm pretty sure Action Andretti has main evented for AEW. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. You're exactly right. I mean, oftentimes main main eventing the AEW shows simply means that they trust that you're not going to hurt anyone and you're not going to botch too bad while the most people are theoretically watching. Man, that is a low bar. I mean, that is that is pathetic. Anyway, I did not like this this week's episode of, of Dynamite, obviously. No. <laughs> uh, there was just so much of this where I was left going, oh, I don't even... <sighs> like, I do a show. I do a review show. The mm-hmm. show you're listening to right now, folks, right now. I do this show. It is called The Skirmish. We called it that three and a half years ago when this first started. Jimmy and I started this. And um, man, this one was hard to get through. I, I A number of times in this episode, I thought to myself, fuck, man. <laughs> like, if I could get hold of Jimmy and t- like, again, Jimmy, I don't know where the fuck you are, but like. Respond, goddammit. Right. Um, 
But uh, fuck, there was a couple of times during this show where I just thought, I'm going to let Jeff and Jimmy do this because I can't fucking, I can't keep repeating myself over and over again about how fucking stupid this company is. I can't argue with you. I will say this. Last week, I was just befuddled. I felt like I was hung over the entire time I was watching it. I wasn't for the record. This week, actually, I, I felt like I was watching a wrestling show. And while it doesn't sound like it, there were parts like I was intrigued by the Okada Danielson thing. I thought that the exchange between Cole and MJF was good. Um, there was there were some parts I didn't mind. Um, and, you know, yeah, I'm nitpicking at points. And, but some of these are rather big nits. Some of these are like dog size nits. Not like yeah. nits that are on dogs, but like the size of an actual dog. Um, yes. I didn't love the show. I, I liked it better than last week. Last week, I think I would have given the show like a C minus or a D. This week, I'll give it a C plus. I'm feeling nice. I'll give it a C plus. Wow. Okay. Well, it's going to get another F from me. It got an <laughs> F last week. Gets an F again this week. If If I want to turn the show off at least two or three times during the show, something wrong. <laughs> Doing something real fucking wrong. Um, I mean, listen, to be fair, I mean, every single raw for the last 20 years has basically been an F from me. Cause I don't even turn it on anymore. I no, don't, don't even, you, you stop watching. I don't even attempt three hours of raw, three hours of raw. No, no. The, like if, like if fucking Jim Cornette himself called me and was like, was like, Hey Chris, uh, we're planning on, uh, we want you to come on and do a review of raw with us. I would legitimately like. I would legitimately have to sit there for a minute and think like, I love Jim Cornette. I would love to be, you know, I would love to get the exposure of reviewing a, a, an episode of raw with Jim Cornette. Do I want to watch three hours of raw for that? I don't know. That's how much I can't stand the fucking other company. So before anybody tells me I'm a WWE show, I'm not. I just pointed out when wrestling is really fucking bad. And it's been really fucking bad the last two weeks from AEW. Yeah, I I can't argue that. And and folks, if the audio is different than you're used to, I'm recording it on Riverside, and then I'm going to try and save it and, and convert it to MP3. I'm not a tech guy. Jimmy's usually doing that. Uh, obviously, you've, you've picked up the, the thread that we can't find him. We don't know where he is. We're hoping he's okay. Um, sending out smoke signals and carrier pigeons and ravens and uh, Noah's Ark and whatever else we can do, um, and that's Probably also why you're not. Getting, yeah, that's also why you're not getting lots of music that's that we have to scream over. Uh, it's also why you're not getting yeah and 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 goofy things. And I'd buy that for a dollar as well. And you're not getting 25 minute intros and 25 minute outros with music and uh, highlights of the show that are put us at risk for copyright strikes at all times. So you're not getting any of that. And yes, Jimmy's not here. So I'm totally going to throw him under the bus. Um, and that's just the way it's going to be. But uh, this is Chris. Jeff, tell the cool. people where they can find you. Oh yeah. Where can they find me? If you want to still find me after this uh, on Twitter at Icarus MD, you can find me here on the PWC when we sometimes do shows. Uh, we also cross pollinate and work with the Hami media group and channel attitude, where you can find us doing smack attack Saturday mornings, Usually Saturday morning, 11 Eastern, 8, uh, 11 a.m. Eastern or 12 noon Eastern. It usually runs for two, two and a half hours. 
uh, you can see it live or, you know, for free, or you can pay $5 to Hami Media Group and see it at your leisure. And we do Uncage, which is a show about Rampage, which we still have not done yet this week, but we will. We're bad boys. We know. Um, spoiler. I thought the show sucked. Um, my other podcast, which wrestling podcast is called Hammerlock Hangover, which me and Steve do occasionally. Uh, it's here on the PWC and my non-wrestling podcast, which are really my babies, Garden of Doom and Garden Views, uh, which you can find right here on the PWC. You can find them on Hameen Media Group. You can find them on Wrestling Soup Network and wherever you can find fine podcasts. And Garden of Doom is more esoteric, occult, arcane, UFOs, cryptids, things that go bump in the night, history, alternative history, all sorts of cool, fun, philosophical things, stuff like that. And Garden Views is more topical. I had a, a returning guest, uh, Professor Patricia DiGennaro, and we talked about some geopolitical stuff. So always fun, and, and those shows are growing. So, hey, get on the bandwagon and, and join with all the other cool kids. Thank you. Right on. You've had some really great repeat guests on those shows, Jeff. Some Thank you. Some, some guests that are just excellent, excellent guests. Do you have any favorites? Um, the one with Liss Bams? I, 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 that guy's pretty cool. He's, he's been on some, yeah, I like that guy. Um, yeah, no, I also, I, I've really liked, uh, I know you've had, um, uh, oh man, the guy's name is not coming to me right now, but from, uh, from, from, uh, from the history show, from the, from our, is it our fake history? Is it oh, our, he's, uh, Sebastian Major was on once. Yeah. He's Sebastian been on Major. Once. I Mike love Hillier. that guy. Yeah. He's, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I, I'm very happy with, with the expanding roster of, of repeat guests that I'm having. It's, a, it's, it's, it's really an honor and a privilege and a common because some of them, they really belong on bigger platforms than mine. Then they come because they just have, they like it. They have fun. Yeah, absolutely. It is a very fun podcast. It's a, it's a fun podcast to do and it's a really fun podcast to listen to. So if you're looking for something a little more esoteric, as Jeff said, um, Definitely check it out. Any episode you're going to listen to, you're going to enjoy yourself. Um, as far as I'm concerned, uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at ChrisAms1. You can go there to hear everything that I have to say about politics, pro wrestling, and whatever the hell else I feel like talking about. You can find me right here on the PWC Network. You can also find me on HMG, channelattitude.com. Uh, and... Um, lots of other places uh where you can where you can hear about great great things that i have to say about professional wrestling and things like that because yeah just like something we do (laughs) because that's what we do all right so for jeff for jimmy i think uh this has been the pwc network presents the wednesday night skirmish i've been christopher ams see you later Olay. Jeff? Stay with my friends.